Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On today's episode, I'm chatting with an old friend of mine by the name of Daniel Jordan. Daniel Jordan is a rapper I've known since the AcidRap.com days. His new album, Dark Knight of Soul, is probably his darkest and most personal release to date. I mean, I mean, listening to it, holy shit, that's all I can say. So we're going to talk a bit about that, also his production techniques, and some about the topics too. And as usual, we're going to take it to street level, so if you're a friend of my language, okay. So, um, how you been, man? <laughs> Fuck, man. I don't know. Like, honestly, it's, it's been one of the most confusing, like, times mentally for me because, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, sad and I'm not happy. I'm just kind of existing and I'm just being honest about it. You know what I mean? Fair enough. A lot of people felt that way. Um, but yeah, you just, I just heard the new album, uh, Dark Knight of Soul. Um, you good? Yeah, I'm I'm good as far as that goes, man. Um, you know, like one thing, you know, I've been getting like just bombarded, like harassed basically by people like worrying about my well-being after hearing the album. And I just tell them all the same thing. I'm like, listen, man, I purged this shit out of my system. I have an outlet for it. I'm more worried about you if you don't have one. So like, I'm good over here. But um, yeah, if you know, if you feel this way, then you should probably get some help. <laughs> Fair enough, because I was like, Dark Knight of Souls is a perfect name for it. I was thinking Obsidian Dreams, too, because god damn, that was dark as shit. Fuck, I know, man. Imagine making that shit. Uh, it was just one of those weird, like, I don't know, man, not like a midlife crisis or anything, but like, it's, it's a Dark Knight of the Soul. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, like, the philosophical term. I think I do, but fill me in, though. So, the Dark Knight of the Soul, it's like basically. It, it, it's a real thing that we all go through as, as human beings. And once we kind of hit, like, our stage of, like, you know, 30s, mid-30s, even 40s, we've uh, maybe we've been married and divorced or whatever. We've seen some of the world. We've seen our fair share. We kind of hit this uh, slump, almost like a depression, um, an existential crisis, if you will. And we're questioning the meaning of everything. What What is the point of all this? And that's the dark night of the soul. But what it really is is kind of like an initiation to get you into the next stage of your life. First of all, there's a name for that? Yeah, that's what I know. Like I, I, I found out about it last year as I was uh, making this album. Huh. I, I don't know. I, I randomly one night, man, it was like 2 in the morning just like going to bed, flipping through uh, just the YouTube rabbit hole of shit, which I typically do. And um, there was just some video that says uh, – are you experiencing the dark night of the soul? And I was like, what the fuck is that? So I click on it, and it's like this hour-long diatribe about, you know, basically what I just explained in a nutshell. And I was like, holy shit, this is, the, this is, it is my life right now. <laughs> and uh, it all just kind of like came together serendipitously, and uh, here we are. Are you familiar with the term called shadow work? Yes, yes, similar. I mean, I don't know if there's like a whole like YouTube rabbit hole a bit, but I mean, I've done my fair share of shadow working, but explain, please. Yeah. Shadow work is basically you damn near purge those parts of you. Like where you kind of face it though. Right. Um, some would actually consider me a shadow worker. Actually. One of my buds actually, um, is one too. Uh, shout out to Danny Creatura. Um, when I was listening to dark Knight of soul, it reminded me, it kind of gave me an energy of like, he's doing a lot of shadow work right now. 
Yes. And I, I, when, when you said shadow working, I was thinking of like when you're just watching someone do their job and you're picking it up. But no, that's exactly, exactly. And I'm actually going to look into that because I wasn't quite familiar with that. But um, that's exactly what it was, man. Um, I feel like it, it's like a character builder. Sometimes I'll, I'll have to uh, put myself in situations that might be uh, hurtful for me, but it's in order for me to grow. Maybe um, you get out of a bad relationship or a, a, a career that wasn't, you know, fulfilling you. Certain things that you got to take a leap of faith, and there's going to be pain. But um, in order to, uh, you have to embrace that pain in order to grow, and that's what this has, this journey has been, completely. So tell me about the writing process of this album. Man, I, you know, I spent a lot of time last year just uh, by myself, like uh, like most of us did. And um, I was just taking in a lot of the energy that I was getting in around me from just the world and kind of just filtering it through. And there was all these thoughts going in my head just from, you know, man, everything's been a fucking downer. So it's it, it, it'll it'll get you inside of your own head. Oh, yeah. So it was a lot of uh, lonely nights, man, sleepless nights, fucking waking up at 3 in the morning, not being able to sleep. And, I mean, I got COVID during the time, too. I was just about to ask about that, too, because how has that affected you? Because I saw the post, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I'm, I'm still dealing with, like, the, the after effects of it, man. I'm just always sore and tired all the time. I find myself uh, taking more rest days from the gym than I used to. Like, I used to go fucking you know, six, seven days a week. Nowadays, I find myself going maybe like three or four because my body is just so worn down. But um, in that time, I spent a lot of time quarantining. About, you know, with, uh, when you get COVID, you should at least spend two weeks just by yourself. Don't pass it to anyone, which I didn't. And um, that's a dark time, dude. So I spent that time just being productive and, and finishing up my album. But... um this is the result you get from that, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, back to when you're, when you're writing, because cause I was thinking about um the one song you had, uh, The Reason Why I Didn't Call. You mm-hmm. said, that was a freestyle, right? Yeah, it was. So was this more written down, or were we just kind of going with the dome for this one? No, this was all written down. Um, I'm more strategic with the shit that I, I put out nowadays. Like, I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll craft it, you know, just like a, like, like it's my trade, you know, like I'm a blacksmith making this shit. So like, I don't want to leave any, any holes in my shit. Back in the day when you're young, like I made reason I hadn't called you when I was 21. I'm uh, 36 now. So like when I was younger, like you were just, you had that energy. You didn't care. You're just like, well, whatever. I'm going to hit record and, and let, and fill the moment. Nowadays I'm much more, uh, um, particular, and strategic with what I do, so it was all handwritten. I can tell. I can tell that too. You know, we mentioned something about getting about three o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. You know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. The, witch the witching hours. hours. Ha! Yeah. I didn't even know that till after it kept happening all the time, and I was like, there, "What is going on with this?" Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I used to live in a house. Um, and when I was a kid, actually, right, and weird shit would happen there, right, and three o'clock in the morning, some weird shit would always happen. You can never explain to it. Yep. You know, um, shoot, my mom said she still she found sulfur in the back air one time. Damn. Exactly. Uh, yeah.
I found three in the morning to be my most creative time. That's like my creative peak. I would, uh, I'd wake up and I just, I couldn't go back to sleep. Um, especially with COVID because it, it affects your breathing. So like you'll wake up at, at an odd hour, like just heart racing, you're panting, just trying to catch your breath and good luck trying to fall back asleep after that shit. Uh, you know? <laughs> no. So I would just start my day literally at like three thirty, four in the morning because I, I just could not go back to sleep. So it fucked up my whole sleep schedule in a weird way. So nowadays I find myself going to bed much earlier, but I finished my album in that sense. Like at weird times, like I would start laying down tracks at like four in the morning because I just couldn't sleep. But, um, I could feel that weird fucking energy, man. I'd go outside in my backyard and just listen to, you know, nature. Cause no one, no one's awake. Everyone's asleep. And I found that, um, to be one of the best times to really like have conversations with myself and, you know, my, where I want to go with, you know, my, my work or whatever. You did it too, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Usually when I wake up at three o'clock in the morning, it's, is a spiritual awakening? No, my bladder's full. Um, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that too. That too. Yep. You know, so it's like a, yeah, because I'm, shoot. I so. might just start wearing fucking diapers, man, like George Clinton. <laughs> Fuck it. Like, he did it for, like, fashion, but, I mean, I'm like, I hate getting up to piss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shoot. Oddly enough, literally last week I talked to him. It's kind of funny you mention that because the dude you're referring to is Gary Scheider of Funkadelic, right? Mm-hmm. I know his son. <laughs> oh, nice! Hell yeah! Cool motherfucker. Cool, cool dude. You know. You know. Yo, you seen um Tales from the Tour Bus? Yes, I have. Man, that's the greatest shit I've ever seen. Yes, you know. Uh, yeah, it's all about blowing smoke out your ass. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, dude. I mean, that none of that shit surprises me, man. Like it, it all, like all that shit that happened. That's how. Because a lot of these stories have been kind of passed down through the years, so it was nice to have them uh, organized. Yes. And, and told by the people there. Because yes. you always wondered if they were true, you know? Oh, yeah. Or the ones that get mutated, right? Like, for example, oh, yeah. like, okay, you know the story about um, how Bootsy Collins uh, basically um, was getting sick and tired of his uh, brother Catfish um, drinking his milkshake, right? So he dropped to put, to, put some acid in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because remember where. Because you know what happened with that story, right? It ended up with James Brown, right? Yes. <laughs> and the other time, too, that story got mutated so many times around because you know the story about Glenn Goins, right? No, no, what's that one? All right, it's a total bullshit story because he ended up dying of leukemia, but what happened was the story was George Clinton poisoned him. Okay. So I'm like, I do understand. So, okay, so I can see what happened, right? It's kind of like that game of telephone. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. So I can see where basically... I can see where it's like, oh, so that's what happened. So George Clinton had nothing to do with poisoning Glenn Goins. That's a bullshit story. But I can see how the story got mutated into that. So it makes sense. Oh, dude. Man, like, I even have personal ones that, like, that'll, that are told to me to this day that are fucking crazy. Like, um, when I, the first time I played Hollywood was, uh, I think, 2009, and we played the Viper Room. I was on tour with Nodis. And um, I go outside, like, because we had cordless mics. So I, like, go out on the Sunset Strip like as I'm performing and try to get everyone to come out there with me, you know? So I get like, you know, the whole crowd to just come outside while I'm performing. Someone's got the door open so I can hear the beat. And I go out in the middle of the street and I'm in the middle of sunset Boulevard, like at the crosswalk, just performing. And, um, this car is flying down the road, the suburban 
and um, it, it almost hit me. So I like dove onto the sidewalk and uh, got a, avoided getting hit. But um, long story short, the story got the, uh, he got hit by a car. He died even or like you know. There's did you hear about the guy that died out in front of Viper Room that got hit by a car? They still tell that story and they don't even know who they're telling it about. But that's where it spawned. <laughs> I low key kind of push that story in the East Coast too. <laughs> it's a legendary story. I do mention that, like, saying my buddy uh, Daniel Jordan was performing a Viper Room one time, right? He got hit by a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, people will ask me, like, dude, like, are you the guy that got hit by the car? I'm like, no, I didn't. I'm like, but, you know, never stand in the way of a great story. <laughs> Shoot, same thing with um the story with, um, even though Alice Cooper and a chicken story? Oh, hell yeah, man. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest shit ever. Yeah, like, that was on video, though, so, like, you could actually see it. Oh, my God, he was like, when you think about, it, I'm, a, I'm a city boy, not from the farm. I didn't know chicken that birds, chicken has wings as a bird, isn't it? I was like, wait, can chickens fly? <laughs> <laughs> Call it in the ring, man. Like you would exactly. <laughs> you're just like when it when it's going down, you don't have time to stop and think, man. You're just trying to like make uh, Kodak moments. You know? <laughs> That's all you can do, actually, right? And like the next day, Frank's like, "Did you really kill a chicken on stage?" I was like, "No, no, no." Well, don't tell him it's great publicity. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So, I mean, dude, it's all, it's all fucking, it goes back to wrestling and the carny shit, too. Of man. course, that we're all cousins, you know, so I'm like, that's one of those, like, people, like, of different crafts and everything I noticed one thing years ago. Every stand-up comic wants to be a rock star, every rock star wants to be a stand-up comic, and every wrestler wants to be both. Exactly, for real. Every time. It's, yep, and sometimes some, some musicians want to be wrestlers, you know? Yes, AEW, the dude from uh, As I Lay Dying, right? Yeah. In fairness, he actually looks the part, though. Well, it's all about the look in wrestling. I mean, you got to move, too. Absolutely, but, you know. Shoot. I don't know about Bow Wow. I mean, he looks like a twerp. Oh I, he, couldn't, he couldn't convince me of anything. Like, no. if you had, like, 50 Cent, maybe, like, yeah, if you wanted to be a wrestler. Of course, you know. Yeah. Like, certain guys I can see, like, okay. Okay, like, um, another great example. Um, What's that guy's name again? Um... Shit, what is that dude's name? Um, actually, Robert Frank. Yeah, oh, I love him. Yeah, Robert Frank 615. Yeah, yeah six one, Robert Frank 615. He'd be perfect, though, basically. Perfect manager, perfect mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. You know? He loves wrestling. Yeah, I can totally tell. He looks like one. He talks about wrestling all the time, like in his little uh, podcast. Yeah, it's funny. So he made one diss in a, a Seth Rollins for injuring Sting. He, like, went off on it's, him. I remember that. Adams, like, um, I remember that. He, you know what? Yeah. It wasn't wrong, because... No. What I'm seeing you fucking entered the career of like one of the greatest legends of all time, like you know. Now, luckily, Sting got cleared over. And now he's over at AEW, though. So uh, here's the fascinating part. So apparently, if one of those things were okay, we're not going to clear you here, right? Over in WWE, yeah. but in AEW, of course, you could. Though, so that mean, does that mean like other standards really high or creative? Creative is nothing for you. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, man. Honestly, but then again. Like they, if WWE can get a nickel out of you, they will. Oh, you know, totally. and, and and the Chris Benoit situation had everyone like you know on on pins and needles on top yeah. of their shit. So they didn't want to take no chances. Um, he could have been cleared anywhere else, like TNA. I'm sure. Like they had fucking Hulk Hogan wrestle a match in TNA, right? I didn't a watch few? it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I watched it for you. You, you didn't miss anything. You, you didn't miss I'm sure anything. he probably did like a the fucking like a boot and the fucking leg drop. And oh, of course called he did. Nice shit. Yeah. 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 That's one of those things. But yeah, okay. So you shot a video for I Don't Want to Be Me, right? Yeah. 
All right. Um, you know, I remember. See, here's the thing about me. Whatever stays off the record stays off the fucking record. Yep. yep. You told me about this back in October, right? And I was yeah. like, "You're gonna piss everybody off with this one." <laughs> and the thing was great. I didn't piss off anyone, which <sighs> I'm happy about. <laughs> one thing I learned is I this, though. One thing I learned right here is this: when doing that, <sighs> I'll try again. You know. Yeah. So, how did the video come about, though? Where did the concept come from? Uh, man, I just, you know, I get these crazy-ass ideas. Like, I'm like, you know what? I'd like to be hung on a cross in my next video. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to make that happen, but by by golly, I'm going to make that shit happen. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, man, I got in touch with one of my boys out here. Um, Uncle Phoenix is his name. Um, his dad is a carpenter. And I was like, hey, man, because my boy, he's like one of them kind of cats, like, they can get you anything you need. Just whatever. You need something, he knows that he knows where to find it. So I was like, Do you know any like buddy that can construct a cross that I could hang off of? He's like, My dad's a carpenter. I was like, ask him, uh, you know, tell me how much it would be. He's like, We'll just charge you for the supplies. I was like, I mean, cool, like just let me know, man. I appreciate that. And sure enough, like fucking two weeks later they had a nine foot tall cross constructed for me, which is in my backyard right now, and I'm actually staring at it. It's gigantic. It's like 200 pounds. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, so we got the cross made. I guess we got to make this video. And um, <laughs> I called up my boy, Doke Scorsese, who does all my videos, and I was like, yo, man, I got a cross. Let's fucking uh, let's, let's shoot a video. And um, we put it together, and uh, we shot all night um, the first night in this uh, studio this, uh, like, movie studio that's out here that you can rent. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, they got all – I shot the Magical Thinking video there. It's it's relatively affordable, too. So we shoot all night there, and we ain't even slept, like, maybe, like, an hour, two hours. And we're just moving, you know, grind mode. And it's, uh, it's around October, which is still 100 degrees in Arizona. And he's like, yo, man, I live, I live like, in the desert. You know, I live right by a mountain. He's like, throw that shit on your back and carry that shit through the desert. And I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, yeah, we got to get the shot. Let's do it. So I put this 200-pound two, motherfucker on my back and just drag that shit through the desert. And I, slept. I haven't slept. If you see the close-ups on my face, I look just dead. I don't even look fucking alive anymore. I'm like, but through the power of Christ or whoever, man, I fucking got the shot and dragged that shit. We shot, like, five or six takes of that motherfucker I was realizing while carrying the cross how fucking long that song is. And <laughs> I was hating that. <laughs> I was like, this song's like four and a half minutes long. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Imagine carrying a 200-pound motherfucker like six times for five minutes a pop. You know? <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. And all right. I scarred my back all up because, like, I, I, I fell and it landed on my back while carrying it. And like, now I got scars all over my back for life. And I was like, you know, you bleed for your art, man. You got to be willing to die for your art. You know, my question right here is this. How many times did you fall? One time, one time. Okay. And we have that. We have the footage of it. And it it's terrible. <laughs> Cause if it was three times that I was like, Oh, okay. Get awkward. <laughs> yeah. Right now. It's like, now it's like a sign from above, but honestly, like, exactly. I, I thought it would be offensive. Like, I thought when I made it, it would be controversial and offensive. But honestly, like, 
and I'm happy about the fact that a lot of people like are understanding about it. Very. You did it very tastefully, actually. You know, which I was hoping I would go for, man. Because like, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Like at this stage in my life, I've been uh, I've be, been becoming a little bit more spiritual. Just just in life, I'm I'm not a part of any religion or anything. But that happens. That happens. Yeah. So like, I I wanted to be tasteful. I didn't want to disrespect. Uh, you yeah. Know, the, this... Because the reason why, it's almost like, I'll put it this way, everybody's doing that. So yeah. it's not as edgy or controversial anymore to do that, you know? I mean, it's really, it's like, eh, I've seen it, you know? I've seen it again, I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah. Because I was like, um, wait, wait, you tell me, so, wait, did you say you fell off the cross one time too? No, I didn't fall off. Oh, okay. God. I had to hang myself up on that fucker, though, for like, we shot me on the cross for probably like two hours and you have to support your body on this shit you don't just think like all right you're on a cross you're just comfortable no it takes a lot of upper body strength to keep your ass on that cross it had handles and my my arms were tied with ropes and i literally had to like hold up my fucking 185 pound frame on that shit like for two hours and i'm telling you my arms were dead and then I had to, it was the, it was probably the worst two days I've had in a long time. <laughs> hey, 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 you think that's uh, bad, basically, they want the commercial guy to have it too. Right? Like, man, I'm telling you, like, yo, when I, I thought of Austin, when he was hung up on that bitch, I'm like, yeah, that, that shit don't feel good, man. <laughs> also, the thing about Sandman too, actually. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's, so that's how you piss off a whole crowd of ECW fans. <laughs> Dog, like, and, and Sandman and like Steve Austin and them, they they inspired me as well for that because like, it's just iconic when you when when someone's hung up on a cross like that. Of course, it's, I don't think that I don't think they're trying to play Jesus. I think it's like, I don't know, man. I look at it as as a metaphor of just like being crucified is kind of just like being like I'm done, man. I've I've been fucking, I've just been completely uh, abused by this world, man. This is me. True. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking of another one, too. I just had a quick flashback. Um, I remember hearing a story about Sam Kinison outside of one of those comedy clubs, right? And they wouldn't book him, right? So uh-huh. what he did was he got, like, he got like two broomsticks, right? And, uh-huh. yeah, you can kind of see where I'm going with this. <laughs> and basically, he had, like, a robe on, and that was it. <laughs> you know? He was carrying the broomsticks? Like, yes. Like, basically, like... <laughs> until he got booked, actually. Yeah, Sam Kinison, man, like he, but he was like a reverend too. He was. I, I, I don't know his full like as far as like his stance like once he became a comedy uh, comedian about God, but it seemed like he uh, for forgo a lot of that stuff. What like happened was a... what happened was interesting enough. What he would do actually, it was really weird. Like the Sam Kinison on stage was vastly different than Sam Kinison off stage. Like, for example, like, even though he still made money, even though those church was struggling, he sent, like, a, he sent some money to him to make sure they stayed open. He would do stuff yeah. like that. And I guess what happened was he, the reason why he went away from being like, a, the, a Pentecostal uh, preacher, right, what happened was he felt terrible for what he did one time. Because this, this older woman gave her last dime to him, right? Mm-hmm. And he realized, he realized, what, what have I done? This is, uh, he felt dirty. Right, so yeah. he got out of he, he got out of the um he he got out of that and went into comedy, you know. He saw the hypocrisy of what he was doing. Yes, he did completely. So he, if anything, 
So it's like, you know, and the funny thing about it is I for, I forgot he was a minister. I forgot all about that until I watched the documentary. And I was like, oh, yeah, it makes yeah. sense, you know? He was a crazy one, too. He, he was he was wild, man. He was like yes. Billy Graham. Yes. One of the old school fire and brimstone dudes. Yeah, for real. He was damn good at it. That's why, you know, he had such a good transition in uh, being an entertainer because being being on stage was nothing for him. Not at all. Shoot. You ever you remember like the one I can't remember what I wanted to sample it for the one song Weathered actually, right? During the breakdown yeah. actually, maybe like the screams and everything. I wanted to do that, but it's like yeah, I was talk I was yeah, I kinda got talked out of the idea. But the original it was when he said like um did he think he still had him do he he did the whole bit and everything and everyone was standing up on there. He remember standing their feet after he was done. He said, Yeah, I think I can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he was great, man. Like he was one of my favorites, and losing him sucked. I remember when he died; I was just a little yes. kid. Same here. The only thing I didn't like it, him and Dice hated each other, and I felt like they were so similar. They should have. Uh, they really they... were, and but the thing about Dice is that fucked them up though, because they were like best buds, everything, right? Yeah. So and Kennison hated Dice uh, when he died. He died hating Dice. So that's got to be kind of tough to like know someone like died hating you, you know. All right, we're rolling back to it, though. Um, when it comes to producing tracks, software guy or hardware guy? Hardware. All right, what's your setup? I have a MPC. Um, I, I have the MPC Renaissance, so it, it's kind of like hybrid. Um, it's it's You have the machine, and then you run it through um, the MPC software. So it's kind of like for the people that, that want to do the software thing but don't want to fully commit to it, you know? Oh, yeah. And then I, I run a... Um, uh, native Instruments Complete Control through the MPC as well, which is also a hybrid. So, I, I, yeah, I, I do a little bit of both, but I actually like um, the physical aspect of it because, um, you know, I, I, I started out, you know, just playing keys and hitting pads. I've been doing that for 20 years, and I didn't want to, like, give that part of it up. Sometimes it's just easier to do that shit, actually, I'm going to be real with you. Yeah, you know, like one of my buds, uh, guy named Kelvin Lee, actually, who played um drums, you know, Virginia's techno. Um, actually, is on the on the album um Alien Pond for two mm-hmm. songs, and he said when it comes to programming drums and stuff, sometimes it's easier to, it's easier to play this shit live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, you're more um hands on with it. Um, I know, like Typo Negative, for example, they. They did that for their first couple albums, and then they just switched completely over to electronic drums. And really? I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They're they're like after um, Bloody Kisses, I think. Everything after that's just programmed drums. And once you get told that, and you start listening to it, you're like, oh, I can see now. It sounds good, but um, nothing will take away. Like you can never replace like an actual drum fill. No, no. You know, not at all. You know, actually, it kind of makes sense for you know gothic rock, or at least in their case, in their case, gothic metal, for them yeah. to kind of go between real drummer drum machines and option, right? Because sometimes it just fits and works. Because like a lot of post punk stuff was just basically like a drum machine. You know, hell, yep. the first Misfits song was actually like a drum machine. You know, a lot like of that. punk. Even the punk that I did earlier in the day, not all of it was, but there was like some songs like. Like that track I did called I Eat Fuck. That's actually on a drum machine. That's not live drums. Um, Airplane Crash is straight up live drums. I mean, I I definitely like looped parts and picked the best parts. It's not 
completely live throughout, but it's actual drums. But it's it's a lot easier to just sometimes use a, a drum machine, you know? Absolutely, you know. It's sometimes way more re reliable, too, you know, as well. Cause like, how would you mic your drums? Oh, me? How, yeah, how, how would you mic drums if you, if you had to? Um, I'm old school way. Just do it simply, just um, literally kick, snare, two overheads, and get, get rock and rolling. <laughs> Man, I would do... I would do just a fucking one on the kick, like a, 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 a dynamic mic on the kick, and I had a condenser mic that I'd record my vocals with, and I'd just put that over everything else. I That's just have the best it way, too. Yeah, just two mics, man, and uh, we recorded Airplane Crash like that, just with two microphones. Keep it simple, you know? Exactly. Less phase issues and everything, you know? Yeah. Cause I used to use a snare mic too, but I was, but I, yeah, cause usually for, like for the rehearsal stuff for Jenny's Techno, I'll just have like three mics, like you know, one, like one, do like a Glenn Johns thing pretty much, right? Because every time yeah. I even had the snare mic and thing, I was like, this is totally fucking useless. Like, you can't <laughs> tell the difference. So it's like, so yeah. literally it's like, you know, I just do that, you know? So, I felt like a good condenser mic, like over everything else. I mean, if you have a couple, by all means, but yeah. good condenser mics, they pick up everything. Absolutely. Like, just right it's like basically 36 inches right right in the center picks up everything yep. it's perfect exactly you know? and with with the kick just a fucking you know just a dynamic grip mic that you perform live with and that'll just pick up the low end real good you exactly sm58 you know that's well that's what i use yeah. or like um or like this one this uh unidirectional karaoke mic i use you know yeah and just do that and just dump all this in fl studio and just like uh just do a little eq and then voila I mean, hell, there even like when it comes to live drums and everything, right? Okay, because when you're when you're at a live show and everything, right? You just hear the drums in the center anyway. Yeah. So it's not a really a big deal, you know. So there you go. Exactly. I never cared. Like I, I come from the punk generation where, like, I never cared if the fucking hi hats were like on the left side, <laughs> like like through stereo quality. Like you're hearing the hi hats on the left, the snare on the right. It's like, nah, man, this shit's all gonna be mono. You know, exactly. You know, shoot, <laughs> exactly. Like those are my favorite kind of albums. Like those, I used to listen to like you know, like the early albums. Like because all those guys really had was like you know four to six to eight channels to pick from. So that's yep. all you had to do. You know, dog. I recorded mono all the way up to like I think like the Stranger was the first album that I actually did in stereo. Fucking anti hits all mono. People don't even know that shit. And I'm like, they won't even catch that unless I said something. Now, if you go back and listen to it, it's fucking mono. <laughs> yeah, like, isn't it like most rap in mono anyway? Well, the vocals are in mono, but nowadays everyone's beats are stereo, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, because people record through, like, you know, software now. But, like, when you're recording on a four track, those two tracks, why would I waste two tracks on a beat when I can, like, use those other, like, three tracks for my vocals and my background and i'll have the beat on one track which is mono you know? exactly it just makes sense you know yeah and it's gonna sound gritty but i like my shit gritty at there least at the time you know so you called it you called yourself vandal funk right yeah yeah i like that name you know because i was calling it guttercore actually <laughs> but vandal <laughs> funk's mean, a better name yeah man like i think you know the funk shit's never gonna die man especially like within me man like I don't know, man. I, I'm a son of the P. A lot of people don't understand what that even means, and and it's like for people that are that are still a part of that, it, it's their job to kind of keep it alive. Completely. You know? I mean, you're the only motherfucker I know that will ever use "Walk On By" as walkout music. 
Oh man, fuck yeah, dude. And I was like, that that popped me. I was like, all right. <laughs> this motherfucker. Yeah. This dude right God. Here, you know, that's, shoot. That's the best song to make an entrance to. It's so like cinematic. It really is, you know. I mean, like, the only two like, you know, Latin or brown people I know, you know, that are just equally as much into punk rock as their funk actually is you and my buddy Danny Curatura. Literally. Like dude like um my buddy's from uh is like from Chile, right? And um Yeah. You know, his I'm sorry, there's because they're non-binary, so I gotta say they. This story yeah. is a whole ass Netflix story, series, you know. I mean yeah, like they were there when hip hop was getting started. There were DJ, there were the punk rock band for a quick second, which they never mentioned actually. Um and just wild shit. I put I put it that way, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we'll hit it off. But you know You gotta understand, like that's the thing with the Latin community community. Um the funk the funk is deep within the Latin community, big time. Like they're um I mean we're not we're not guessing the house, we're fucking the gardeners, you know. We're taking care of the house. Like as far as like, you know, like of course the funk is rooted in African culture, but the Latin culture very much as well because Latin and and African culture are very similar. There's a lot of crossover in there. Especially in the percussion, you know? Hell yeah. Especially in the percussion and whatnot, right? Because I was thinking too, like, okay, even then, I think Brown Eye Soul. Yeah, yeah. Like, Alon is my dude. (laughs) I don't know who that is, but I mean, I'm sure he's dope. I gotta check him out. All right, remember this episode of Boondocks uh, when um, Riley found out uh, Gangs Delicious was gay? Nah, man, I I don't know. I never really watched Boondocks, but really? enlighten me. Okay. Nah, I I okay. just didn't have that channel. I don't. I never had cable, really. Uh, okay. Um, I'll put it this way: it's one of those shows where it was hilarious in the two thousands, but now it's like, God damn, this is problematic as fuck. It's one of those kind of things. Uh, I mean, I I've seen like some like little clips of it, and they they said a lot of crazy shit in that show. Yes, they did. A lot of shit. <laughs> but that is one song called Rock and Roll Gangster, right? And oh, I love that song. That's the one. I saw him live. Is that the guy you're talking about? Alon, yeah, that's him. Oh, my mom knows that guy. Hell yeah. Like, she knows the rock and roll gangster guy. We saw him, like, two years ago. You're fucking kidding me. Small yeah, that guy's the shit, dude. That's what's up. Yeah, that's Alon. Gangster? Yes! Nice. <laughs> Shoot. No, that, that's exactly, like, man, you gotta understand, like, that whole, the whole community, man, like, there's so much crossover. Like, if you got down with the Latin community and just saw, like, it been some shows, like, old school jams, you gotta understand, like, we're, like, with the black community, it's very, uh, it's similar. We all like the same kind of music. Oh, totally. we, we enjoy old school cars. We have a strong sense of the community. Yeah. And dog, like the Latin community, heavily fucks with just like old school black music, like um, oh, yeah. soul from the 70s. That's all we listen to, man, for real. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah. total sense, you know. I mean, all right. To me, I always kind of felt like Kings of Leon for Sex on Fire stole the stole a bit of that from Rock and Roll Gangster. I gotta check that out, but I'm sure they did, man, because there's hella biters out there, especially the the white cats. I mean, they'll 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 take everything they can, you know. <sighs> it's a part of culture. What can I say? You know. Yeah, it's all good though. That's what music is, though. Like, exactly, it's an exchange, you know. Yeah, like you, know? you it it really is because. When you create some art, it no longer belongs to you, man. It belongs to the world. That's you can't true. even you, you can't hold on to it no more. It's no longer yours. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know the only thing what I try to do with everything I try to basically let people know where it comes from because when that shit gets yep. lost, it's a motherfucker to find back. God damn. 
Oh uh, yeah. You know, like or for, or even do sampling, right? Like, all right, I was mm-hmm. that guy that just can figure every goddamn sample, you know. So like, oh, so that was like my thing. In fact, it was kind of funny. Like, I'm, I'll never forget the time when TJ said, "That was you." We figured <laughs> when I figured every sample that Esham ever used, it was like, "That was yeah, you, dude." Yeah. It was like, yeah. <laughs> It probably in a way like we're like as, as producers and artists and all that like we admire like i'm one of those cats too i'm just like you we admire those cats but we're like man shut the fuck up we don't want people to know that <laughs> but like but we really admire you like i i'll make i'll sample shit and i'll just be like let me see who the real heads are out there yes i'm gonna put like who's the real heads and it's like okay you're cool i want to know you <laughs> i would do shit like that all the time i be like um i'll never forget when those I never forget when my buddy coincidentally Danny Kircher was there, was uh, hanging out with me, and I was talking to my dad on the phone and everything. I was like, "Yeah, you're right, Dad. People are getting crazy. In fact, the youth are getting restless." <laughs> of course, of course, that popped because of the fucking Bad Brains song, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just started basically <laughs> dropping like Bad Brains song titles and shit. He never picked up on it. Dog, you, man, I do that shit all the time, man. Like for real. <laughs> Or like quote songs when you're speaking just to see who catches it. You know? Dude, I'll never forget when CM Punk on that one episode of Monday Night Raw when he said, I am a patient boy. I wait, I wait, and I wait. It'll probably <laughs> be you, me, and probably 10 other guys who get that reference. Right, right. Like the CM Punk though, man, he's like, that the dude is a real head, man. Oh, he's I mean, a real one. He's That's not a gimmick. He really was, he's really a straight edge and everything, you know? He's he's a terrible MMA fighter, but oh, he's like the fucking awful. I he knows his music. <laughs> I commend him having the balls to basically do it, but I love him better on commentary. Speaking of which, you heard about the guy got his finger ripped off in the match? No, uh, who, who got his finger ripped off? I'm not sure. It sounded like someone with a Ukrainian name or something Eastern European. All I know is when they took the glove off, he was missing his middle finger. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. Exactly, and they literally were looking for the finger. Oh, fuck, man. You know? Dude, that... That happened with Ronda Rousey uh, like like a year or two ago. Like um, not in wrestling, just like I think out like hunting or doing something. But like exactly. if you catch it quick enough, you can get that shit reattached. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Did they find it? I have no idea. Jesus, man, it's like some Mick Foley shit. Yes. I literally <laughs> have an autographed back... picture right now of Mick Foley, like basically right here, coincidentally. Oh yeah, what 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 picture is it of? It's the it's a picture like uh with him basically the three face of Foley where he's as okay. mankind Cactus Jack and Dude Love and he signed it one for my mom and I right you yeah. know so that's one for, yeah for one for my mom and I signed him so it's a funny story actually I end up like uh I'm getting a shot from from Al Snow by the way nice yes but nonetheless so going back to sampling though right so what's your approach to sampling though a lot of times man like I I. I just have like an insane playlist of songs that I listen to every day. That's just like I work out to, I'll drive to, whatever, shower, you name it. And um, I mean, it's, it's it's just my my own personal shit, and it's just this vast library of what gets me through my day. And um, I'll just pick up on something like, you know what? I wonder how that'd be if I threw that a little like clip of that in the MPC and uh, just put some drums behind it. Let me see how that would sound. And I do it, and I'm like, you know, it would sound even doper. Like if I like sampled this track over here, which is like a completely different genre even Absolutely. and uh, throw it in there. And it's like, none of these genres are even like relatively hip hop or anything, but I can make it that way because whatever, like I, th- there's no rules to this. When it's your own genre, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Really? It is. You know, 
I mean, okay, this reminds me a little bit of like, um, okay, so there are two styles here in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, right? One being Go-Go, one being Baltimore Club, right? Yeah. I'll never forget, in Baltimore Club, they would literally sample anything and everything. In fact, this one dude, I can't remember his name right now, but he sampled Slayer. Yeah. And he turned into a Baltimore Club track. Hell yeah. So nice. imagine like, I mean, it sounds like Baltimore Club is almost like our answer to House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of like, here's the best way to describe Baltimore Club. It's basically like House's angry knucklehead cousin that realizes <laughs> that, like, he likes his friend more than a friend way, and now he can't figure out, oh, my God. So I got to like, check that out. I love that kind of shit, man. Like, Detroit techno type of shit. Yes, you, know? you you fuck with it. It's like, you will really dig it, though, right? Yeah. But, um, best way to describe it, though, right? But it's like, it's aggressive as fuck, and it's like, so that so what happened? They would grab samples from anything and everything, right? And like um, and just make it to a Baltimore Club song. Same thing with Go Go, right? This is one band out here called Rare Essence, right? And they did a yeah. cover of Ashley Simpson's "Pieces of Me," and they totally turned to Go Go. Actually, they also did a cover of Adele's um, um "Hello," actually, right? Turned to a Go Go yeah. song. So it's like. This is one I love that shit though, man. Like I love like extended DJ cuts of songs that where they flip it. Like, that's my favorite shit, man, and they'll make it, like, 12 minutes long even, you know? Like, I come from the, the San Francisco times when, like, the rave scene was hella big and um, just the ecstasy culture and all that shit. That was, like, I grew up in that, and um, that was a big deal when I was a kid, man. Like, I'd be, I mean, you couldn't go to bars and drink, but you could go to raves and take ecstasy and dance all night long. And, that was um, awesome. Dog, I do. They would flip the craziest shit. Like they had this one room where, like, they would flip Motown and make it all raver style, or like put some jungle behind it. Like I remember they had like Mary Jane by Rick James going, and I was like peeking, hitting balls, like, and uh, man, it was like one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking of which, all right. Um, if I mentioned we're hyphy, would that would I ring any bells? Oh man, yeah, dog. I was there for that whole thing, man. <laughs> so what was that scene like? Oh, it was fucking wild, man. Like, I'm telling you, like, th this shit was no joke. Like, people would literally, out of nowhere in traffic, get out of their car and start ghost riding their car in the middle of traffic. Or people would stop and start doing a sideshow. Um, cars would just park in the, in, in, in the intersection and start whipping donuts. And there'd be, like, 20 cats just in the middle of the street. They call it turf dancing. And uh, they'd throw on some Mac Dre. And this shit's a real thing. It was a very real thing at the time which people might have saw it and been like, eh, you know, that's probably just, you know, for the camera. No, it was like a daily experience. It was really weird. First of all, girls trying to whip and everything, right? Yeah. Here's what happened. Six months before I knew anything about Hyphy, I had this weird dream about these two guys that were literally basically on top of their cars <laughs> trying to basically, and what one guy fell off his car, right? I'm like, I woke up and I have some weird shit. That can never happen in reality. <laughs> Next thing I know, I found out about Hyphy and people are doing the same damn shit as on my goddamn dream. Man, you know, it's crazy, and I, it's only shit that you could cook up in a dream. Like, Exactly. Kind of, where the world's at now, where it's like everyone's just like, fuck it all, you know, nothing matters anymore. We've been there for like the last 20 years in the Bay Area, where, do you know how many people died doing that shit, man? It happened all the imagine. time. It was ridiculous. Like, people lost their fucking will to live a long time ago and it was just like all right we're just gonna have fun but the cops just gave up on you know trying to enforce this shit everything's so crooked out there like it, it you could you could do whatever the fuck you wanted basically as long as it was in certain neighborhoods because they they already gave up the Nine cops with a smile huh 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was straight up nihilism. So when you're around these kind of situations, you start having your own sense of nihilism. You're like, man, no, nothing fucking matters. <laughs> well, they, all, man, a day, a, a day in the Bay Area, when I go back and visit, you know, friends or family, they are just in a cloud of fucking just smoke all the time. Everyone's just fucking high. It just the drug use is insane. Like just being there for one day, I'm like, fuck, man. I don't know how you how you guys can live like this. <laughs> so being out in Arizona, would you say it gives you a different perspective or? Yeah, I came out here to, to get away from all that shit because I was going to fucking die, man. I had um one night, I went and saw MDC at fucking uh, 924 Gilman Street in Berkeley, which is this dope uh, legendary punk club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like I, I take like a car full of my friends and we're doing ecstasy heavily. We ended up scoring like I think like 50 pills of ecstasy between all like four of us and I popped like 11 pills over the course of like two hours and I was driving a, I was driving mind you and oh uh, I was tripping man I was hallucinating seeing spiders and shit um, I remember uh, Rancid would always kick it at that club I remember um, fucking Lars Fredrickson was there and just, I was just hallucinating seeing just like the craziest shit and um, when the show's over I'm driving everyone back and it starts raining, and I, like, hydroplane on the on-ramp and do, like, a fucking 360 and almost kill us all. I'm like, Shit. calm down, everyone. It's okay. I got this. Holy <laughs> fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that was a major turning point for me. I was like, you know, I should probably, my mom and, and a lot of my family were in Arizona. I was like, I need to just get away and kind of clean up my act. And uh, I did. Sounds similar to why DMX moved out to Arizona. But he was even worse out here, man. I just heard about him. I heard he's I know, like had a heart was, attack. That's why I kind of mentioned it, you know. So I'm like, like shit. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, it's one of those things where, he, I was hoping he got clean. I was hoping, you know, me too. He got better and everything because you know his demons and whatnot. I was really hoping he was doing better. So it's like, because the first time I saw that was some bullshit, like you know, fake story. You know, like the ones that Eddie Murphy died while skiing or some goofy shit like that. But apparently they're yeah. telling the truth, you know, like shit, you know. Well, he, I think he was clean for a while. Um, he looked clean when he did the verses with Snoop. He definitely put on a lot of weight. That's a sign of being sober yeah. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. or an alcoholic, one or the other. But um, I, I believe he was sober. But all it takes is like one time to just like let loose. And when you've been doing prolonged drugs for years, your heart is very weak and, and cocaine, man. Like, I'm telling you, cocaine was never even my thing, but even being, like, older nowadays, like, if I just did one line of blow, like, once a year, just one line, I'm like, dude, fuck this shit, my heart's freaking out, I, I, don't, I don't, this ain't my trip, so, imagine being someone that actually likes that shit, um, maybe he did his fair share the other night, and his heart just couldn't handle it, you know? Yeah, I think of Eddie Guerrero, you know? And he was Same queen. shit. Exactly, yep. the first thing I thought of, you know? It's like the one person that don't do heroin for like 20 years and the next thing you know they, they decide to just indulge one time and that one time is that time that takes them out. Ugh, now I feel bad for a joke I made about um, well actually nothing to do with anything actually I was talking about like um, I don't know nothing to do with anything but I was I don't know made a joke about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers right so it's uh -huh. called the Mighty Morphine Power Rangers <laughs> so imagine like you know so the joke was it's like you know you had the gang basically walking around you know, like I said, I like to see the episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as a kid. 
you know, the putties pop out of where Jason is morphine time. And they all start pulling needles. And, like, <laughs> and the putties are like, stare at a collector. What the fuck? <laughs> That's yeah, fucking yeah. hilarious. That should be a comic book. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I don't feel so oh bad God. now. Why can't we just have like the nineties forever for the rest of, you know, yeah. I hate to be that guy. It's stuck there. I love the nineties, man. Should be told is I'll put it this way. Have a balance of both. Like, okay. But like I said, it's going to be a reaction to everything. Like, yep. here's the thing about it. I don't think people, I think people are still shell shocked. They don't understand nuance anymore. Like certain yeah. things. Yeah. That was going to age pretty badly. And in hindsight, we should have get, we should have, you don't know, think about it. Well, okay. Marilyn Manson, the whole allegedly story about him. Right. I got to say, yeah, 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 allegedly yeah, yeah. for legal reasons. Right. Yeah. The sad reality about it is if the allegations now came out back in the nineties, they wouldn't have given a shit. They were more upset about him being a Satanist. That's true. Um, I mean, I agree with that. There's certain things. All right. There's when it comes to violence on someone or like any sort of uh, prejudice or like being like holding someone down or hurting someone there. We should always draw a line with that. You know, don't ever harm someone. Um, but I, I feel like just as far as like just the way like, you know, media is and like just the entertainment today, like. Back in the day, man, just the way I see, like, you know, I, I grew up, I came up from, like, reading, like, Thrasher magazine, and, you know, like, everything was, like, you know, you, we're, we're basically just glorified stuntmen just getting injured and just having fun. Exactly, that, you know? That's what I miss. Exactly. Like, okay, great example. Like, or when it comes to, like, you know, okay, for, for that's all Andrew Dice Clay, right? Now, the thing about yeah. it is, I got it, because really, if you think about it, it's damn near camp, pretty much, right? Exactly. But I don't think a lot of people that dug him understood it and just went the wrong way. <laughs> and they tried <laughs> to copy, can... imitate it, look like a jackass. In fact, even Dice basically hating people and imitated him. Yeah, yeah you know? totally. Shoot, what's that one? Okay, remember that show, That Metal Show? Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, remember that one guy whose name I can't remember right now? Um, The guy with the, with the basically wanted to be Dice Clay so bad? Oh, yeah, that's fucking, um, no, it's not, it's before Big J. Oakerson, uh, no, 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 the no. other guy, yeah. Um, the other guy, right. But yeah, that guy right there, he's the embodiment of guys that dice kind of like, what have I done? <laughs> totally. You know, and he's, dice is really like that too. Like dice Exactly. It's like, he was like, what have I given birth to? What have I given birth to? <laughs> he's basically oh. that. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So it's like. Man, there was all kinds of terrible parodies of dice, especially like in the 90s. Um, absolutely. Th- who was that chick, that fucking comedian chick, the blonde one that tried like doing like. Andrew Dice Clay is Kelly Caulfield. Yeah, exactly. On a, on a living color, you know? Yep, yep, yep. So, I mean, that's funny, but that Dice was like a caricature of himself. Exactly. Put, so it's like, you're, it's <laughs> almost like you're not making fun of Dan Whitney. You're making fun of Larry the Cable Guy. Exactly. You know? A lot of people took it serious, though, and I and rightfully so. If you didn't really dig deep with it, um, you could see Dice like being, you know, at, at face value and be like, what the fuck? What is this? How how can this person even have a platform? This guy is terrible. And you're like, no, if you really just understood, this is all, he's making fun of all that. Exactly, you know? Shoot, Um, I think of, okay, going back, okay, maybe going back, damn, maybe like, um, like a decade and some change ago, Jim Norton, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you gotta understand, this is all fucking Iron Sheik, man. Pro wrestling, like. Exactly, and I don't think people get it, though. And... I'll put it this way. It's one of those things where it's kind of like Russian roulette where it's like, I get it, they get it, but I don't think half of the crowd gets it. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, so I'm like, you know, like for example, it's like, yeah, the horrorcore guys didn't kill people. Well, most of them didn't. Um, so yeah, for there's one, a couple. Yeah, just a couple of those guys did. <laughs> yeah. I can't speak for all the motherfuckers. But they're the examples, you know? Like, you look at, like, Big Lurcher, that was Psycho Sam guy. Yeah, I was and, just always making it. That was the Psycho Sam was the guy I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. God, and that guy wasn't even, like, he wasn't even an artist, a rapper. I mean, he might have had, like, a couple songs, but, like, he wasn't, he was no, no fucking, uh, uh, figure in the horrorcore community no, by any means. not at all. He was, like, I'll put it this way. That's like basically, yeah, I can, I can basically cook so I can sustain me and my family and everything. Doesn't mean I'm a goddamn chef. Exactly. He's just a guy that made like three or four songs and then killed his girlfriend and her uh, friend or whatever. Exactly. You know, so shit like that. And it was got away with the two. He's at the, he, they caught him at the airport, right? Yeah. So, shit. <laughs> that know? guy was a fucking weirdo, man. Yes, like, he was. Wherever he's at, fuck that guy. Like he made he made us all look bad. Yeah, and horrorcore would literally <laughs> die for like ten years. Yeah, it, it it killed it straight up. It's not even alive no more, man. Horrorcore is like the deadest shit ever. Um, it's. I'm not saying that disrespectfully. I'm just saying that because of like these situations that happen that kind of put an end to it, and then within the genre of itself, it didn't really like progress. You know. True. It's like I put it this way. Like um, here's the best way to put it though. Even if it. Even if horrorcore died, basically, it's like people gotta grab, kind of grab elements. Like, remember when they tried to go off future horrorcore? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I remember Tyler Creator's like, "For the last time, we're not horrorcore." Well, honestly, like I think like black groups did horrorcore way better, and then when the white people grabbed it, they just watered it and diluted the shit down. Not to make it a race thing, but like let's call it spade a spade here. I mean. Nodis, Grave Diggers, Flatliners—they were all like the the oh, Gangster Nip, yes, Ghetto Boys, like yes. They they actually gave an artistic uh, credibility to. They this did, shit. you know. I mean, they really did, you know. So it's like, so in fact, I never forget. Even Ancient Clown Posse, they said they made it clear. Hey, we're yeah. not horrorcore. We don't do the whistle kind of class to our stuff. We do the wicked shit. Yeah, exactly. So there is a nuance there. I don't think a lot of people understood, and I don't. I, uh, because I was way more into horrorcore when I was younger, and I was like, and you know what's more embarrassing? When an artist yeah. cites people as an influence, and they live nowhere enough to influence them, I'm like, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Me? I hate that shit, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's garbage. It's like, really, it's like, listen to them and then listen to you. Where do you find the parallel here? Exactly. Like, in my case, I'll put it this way. It's like, here's what I listen to, actually, right? But you know the biggest comparison I get to? What? Bell Rays. The Del Rays? No, no, the Bell Rays. The Bell Rays. Imagine. All right, check this out. Imagine if Iggy Pop was too dope sick to play, right? So they get Aretha Franklin (laughs) to do do a set. With the Stooges? With the Stooges. That's exactly what it sounds like. The Bell Rays. What what era are they from? What year? They're from the nineties, actually. Really? Earth mid nineties. Um, like really, it's like a, I know Lisa Kakula. That's I'm gonna make sure I can pronounce her name because I found she I found she actually black with Samoan, so kind of like a kind of like a rock DNA mix over here. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, very up in this way, very straight rock and roll, kind of like hard R and B soulful kind of voice. Yeah. Um, just like a garage rock punk band backing them up and everything, right? And I'm like, yeah. holy fuck! So they sound dope. That they're fucking like great, you know. Yeah. And I'm gonna check them out after this conversation. Totally. Here's the crazy part. Here's how it all connects. All right, have you heard this rapper named Speak? Uh, yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard of Speak. 
Speak used to date Lisa's little sister. Oh, wow. No shit. I was like, you're fucking kidding me. And I had noticed because, okay, apparently Speak's one of us. Basically, you know, you know, very similar, except I was like, yeah, I think I'll hit it off. Like, you know, he's like a Mexican dude from down. He's more in L.A., though, right? Uh-huh. It's like, you know, more L.A. and everything, you know, and it's like I uh, grew up on wrestling and stuff like that. Also grew up on rap, of course, and he grew up on everything, right? And yeah. I'll never forget um, that one that one freestyle I did on um, on Sway's show, right? And mm. he was the white suit on, and he was like, it was 2015. I was like, holy fuck. So bottom line is this. So we ended up kind of talking and everything, and he followed me back. I was like, oh, cool, right? So nice. somebody asked the question, who are the greatest uh, – who are the greatest uh, female lead singers, right, in a, in a rock band? So the first two I thought was Lizzie Hale, Lisa Kakula, and speaks says, I used to date her little sister. I was like, put this in context, bro. Put this in context, <laughs> right? So then, that's crazy, exactly. Because I'm like, uh, nowadays you got to be really clear, dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, yeah, yeah. how old were you when this happened? Oh, you're the same <laughs> age. Cool, making sure because. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Nuance context is key. It's very important nowadays. Whew. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely, man. Oh, God. Fuck, yeah. man. I know. Like, I had one of my ex-friends, I'll call him, even though he's I, – like, I haven't talked to him in years. He became a cop in L.A., and, um, and he's kind of started becoming a douche after that. Like, I don't fuck with cops, really, so I couldn't really get behind that. And um, he just got busted, and he's like, in, he was like in the news all last month because uh, he was like sexting a 15-year-old girl that came in the the precinct to to report like 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 a sexual crime or some shit. And I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like, I tried putting the shit in context. Like, I've been especially on like social media. Like, I'll get followed by people like that are you know of all ages, and I won't even fucking talk to a person like in, at all. It's like under eighteen. You know what I mean? Like smart move. Cause I'm like same here. Cause yeah. I'm like, it, it's, it's weird. Cause I'm what? What do I gotta say to him? So you yeah. like bread? What the fuck? I gotta talk to a fucking like a twenty year old for? Or the under. youngest girl I ever dated was like um, la- last year. She was like twenty two, twenty three, and we had fucking nothing in common. No. Like, Cause, I, I mean, don't want to date a girl my age, like 36, but I don't want to date a girl that's like under 25 or 26. Yeah, this is, there's nothing there. Listen, there's nothing there. Here's the thing. 25, this, that's just generally speaking for anybody, everybody, right? Because to me, yeah. 25 is when you're held accountable for shit, really held accountable for shit. 18 yep. years is legal. Yep, exactly. You know, to me, the early It's still 20s, a child. It's fucking disgusting. To me, here's the deal. Early 20s are basically your teenage years with shipping and handling. Yeah, right. If that makes any sense. Dude, you're still a teenager by the time you're 23, I'd say. Exactly. Now you just basically, you know, you're just like, that's in that kind of weird shift and everything, you know, because I'm 36 now, so I'm like, you know, so now it's like, okay, now we say stupid shit and everything. Now it's almost like, I can make that joke like a few months ago. Yeah, you were younger then. Now you got to be held accountable for shit now, motherfucker. Right, right, exactly. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I've, I've like really like fallen for people my age. Like just in recent times, like age wasn't necessarily the thing. Like you know, it's all based on like I, I want. I'd rather I've fallen for girls that are older than me. I'd rather like 
be have something in common with someone the same experiences life experiences that makes sense completely yeah. but it's just like nowadays a fucking 36 year old chick doesn't look as good as like a 28 year old chick you know what i mean yeah uh, you say that it depends how hard they're living though you know and you got to compromise a little bit it's like man i honestly that's why i don't even like want a girlfriend right now because like i would like someone that that has the same kind of like uh life experiences me as far as like time on this planet we've all we've been through the same uh we've seen the same sort of events together at the yeah. same time you know Completely. we've seen the bill clinton shit we we grew up through the attitude era we can talk about that exactly you know, you know stuff like that where you can kind yeah. of relate stuff you know but chicks that are like 36 or, or or 40 they probably got like fucking four kids by now three ex-husbands you know it's like uh, i'm not looking for that you know so like I think someone that like maybe is 28 that hasn't had a kid yet. That's like ideal for me right now. <laughs> and that's like, um, somebody, I saw this meme a while back saying like dating after 25 is like finding the least broken thing in the thrift store. Absolutely. It's terrible. How old are you now? I mean, you didn't say your age on, oh, if you don't want to, you can cut it. Oh, All right. Well, you're the same age as me. All right. Yeah, yeah, When's your birthday? Uh, September 24th. Okay, cool. Like I'm June fourth, so you know we we basically seen the same exact world exactly. At the same time. <laughs> you know that's why a lot of the references like that we'll bring up, like well we we witnessed that we were even though you were on one side of the country and I was you know exactly. But we still at, we still saw the sun and moon though. Exactly. Well, I I just look at it as like dog. We both watched. We grew up through the Attitude Era, the the, the fucking new generation, all that shit. Oh yeah. You know? That's all. That's all you needed to know about life is what was going on in wrestling in that time. That's really what it was. If, if you think about it, the two things that were the distorted reflection of reality was hip hop yep. and wrestling. Yep, it Straight gives up. you an idea of what it was. And the thing, of, or it goes back to like, or just even look at the media. It's like, yes, looking back at it, a lot of stuff was pretty on the rapey side. Like, there's no way to justify Revenge of the Nerds. It's, oh hell yeah. There's no way to justify American Pie. Of course not, because here's a news flash. Pretty much everybody in the past is a dirtbag. That's basically yes. what it was. It was like, well, like, is, does everyone need to be like a perfect person? Is nah. that what we're like going towards right now? Well, that's like, the funny thing about it. Like, see, that's when the fasting part comes in. See, this happens all the time. Between like 15, I want to be a better person. 15 to 23, they're idealistic, right? Then to 25, they get really bitter. You know? Yep. All right. One sample flip that intrigued me was when you flipped the flip of Matt song everywhere. Let me be. Yeah. So that was a really personal one, right? Very much, man. Very personal. So how did you muster up the strength to do it? Man, it, it all, it, the first thing was mustering up the strength to even listen to it. Um, me and me and my ex uh, fiance, who we've been uh, broken up for like two years now. I haven't even talked to her. I just continued to move forward. That was a song that we would listen to a lot, especially we take uh, road trips together, and we'd like we'd always we're very um into like um you know PDA not PDA but just like always we're very like affectionate, always holding hands, whatever, yeah. driving, you know, like you know, and um that was just a song we'd always listen to, like you know, I want to be with you everywhere. It was a very you know good love song. And um, I remember I, when we broke up, I, I, I avoided that song at all costs. Oh, yeah. If that song came anywhere near my playlist, skip over it. I remember one time I went and saw um, 
Elton John in Vegas with my mom. We drove out there, and she had that shit on her playlist when we were driving back. I was like, change the fucking song. <laughs> She's like, why? I thought you liked it. No, fuck this. She's <laughs> like, okay. Hey. She, yeah. and I was like, she didn't even ask me why. She's like, say no more. She knew why. Hey. <laughs> and uh, and hey. I'm telling you, man, as a way of healing and getting over that shit, I was like, it first started out with listening to it again and getting back in that state of mind and facing like the shadow shit you're talking about, yes. shadow working. Yeah. It was like, I have to face this shit or otherwise I'm going to be like, just, I won't ever get over this shit if I can't face it. So you're that right. was one ma major thing. And I did. And I was like putting myself back in that state of mind to where I used to be with it, you know, in love and all that. And I was like, I felt that high, you know, riding that high of the memory and I was like, wow, it feels like, it's like dopamine. And um, I was like, you know what? What if I, what if I like, you know, flip this shit just over like a trap sound and ass beat just to fuck around? I was like, because when I was making this album, originally it was just going to be like an instrumental album of just beats, just what I did in quarantine, you know? And I was oh. like, this, this shit would sound dope, you know, just like instrumental, whatever. And um, next thing you know, man. I started coming up with lyrics, um, all kinds of lyrics. It was just, I couldn't stop writing. And uh, I made it on 4th of July last year. And me and my son on 4th of July, we went and hiked this mountain by my house and watched the fireworks go off at the top of the mountain with um, my little Bluetooth speaker just bumping the song. And it was a, an amazing moment of just like understanding and healing and getting over it, you know? Catharsis? Catharsis, exactly. This is what I felt on it, you know. You know, like sometimes you gotta face songs. You know, sometimes you gotta face songs of your past. You know what I mean? Man, the best art is made through catharsis. That's oh, yeah. this whole album is catharsis. It's purging shit out. And I feel like you know, there's great albums that you hear from artists that you like, and you can you can feel where they're at at that moment. You're like they're transcending it through you, and. When you do that, you feel like you're like, I'm on to something here, man, because I'm creating the shit that I enjoy listening to from the other people I like, you know? Absolutely, you know, because I was thinking about it, I'm like, I can feel something, you know, because I put it this way. A lot of your music, I feel the pain, you know? Yeah. Um, It's like um, if I can feel that shit, you know what I mean? Not to call it shit, but I feel it, you know, I really no, I empathize, yeah. you know? Well, but, that's the, that's what I'm trying to do with this shit, man. I'm trying to capture that moment yeah. because, like, I'm feeling something as I'm making it or, or thinking of it. I'm, there's something happening here, and it's like I need to capture this moment and bottle it because don't ever let these kind of moments go to waste. Don't ever let a like like homeboy says. Uh, don't ever let a good tragedy go to waste. Um, the fucking English cat. What's his name? Morsi. No, no, the fucking the, the fucking the wartime cat from like World War Two. Oh, Winston What's Churchill? Name? Yeah, Winston Churchill. Don't ever let a good tragedy go to waste. And I live by that shit. My other, <laughs> my favorite Winston Churchill quote is this. It was something like some woman walked up saying, Winston Churchill, you're drunk. And he said, yes, ma'am. And it's like, it's like something <laughs> like, yes, ma'am, but I'll tomorrow I'll be sober and you'll still be ugly. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've had, actually had a couple of beers while we're having this conversation. Hence and, why I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, no problem at all. You know? Yeah. All right. So another, there are a few songs that pop up, like one being Jody Arias. I yeah. dig the sample from, like, use use the sample for the case, right? Before that, I just want to say, here's the one that really creeped me the fuck out. 
was I don't want to be me. Will you flip that yeah. sample? <laughs> you know, it's probably the darkest shit on the whole album. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, so where were you, where were you when you created that? Because you got really personal on that motherfucker too. Like talking about the car accident. Um, yeah. You talk about a lot of shit on there. I'm like, and it's something. I was like, typo negative sounds creepy enough anyway. So when you <laughs> lower the voice, it's just terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. Imagine if you pitched down that song, how it would sound. Like it, it fucking blew me away. Yes, um, I because that's I'm a huge fan of Typo. That's well established, you know. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Their music puts me in a certain mood that it brings that shit out of me in, in in my head, where like I feel like the the depths, the darkest depths of a man's soul. And um, I I was just happening to write one day. I think I wrote the song first before I made the beat. Just to the song uh, "I Don't Want to Be Me" by Typo Negative. I just oh yeah, listening to certain songs just gives me ideas. And um, when I decided, like, let me see if that shit. A big person that helped me out with that just mentality was Sutter Kane of how he flips metal shit. Yes, you know what? Um, Sutter did not get his credit because you know what it's called. You know what it's not called? Rage core or, or trap metal? Mm-hmm. You know what? He invented that shit. He really did. I mean, he called it ghetto metal and everything. But I'm like, you paid. He paved the way for a lot of these guys. Like when I hear Scar Lord, I think, okay, this sounds like something Sutter Kane would have done. You know, dude, Sutter Kane was one of the biggest uh, helps on this album. That people don't know, he was one of the biggest unsung heroes on this album. Um, I I used his fucking kits. Like he gave me access to his whole database of just like drum kits and shit like that. He really was just selfless and um helping me get the right equipment I needed to get. Like he, he's, uh, um, sponsored by a lot of, uh, uh, dope, um, brands for equipment. They'll, so like he gets like a half off discount on shit. So he would use his discount to help me get shit that I needed for this album. That sounds and, like, um, that sounds like came. I would just pick his brain. Like me and him have had like just conversations for hours and hours while making this album. He's probably like one of my closest friends that I've never met in the music game right now. You, Bless is cool as shit. I used to, I kind of worked with him a little bit back in 2010. Bless is cool yeah. as shit. He lives up to his name. You know? I love that guy. He, he gets, he's a very busy man. Like, like oh, working with him is fucking un, like hard to do. But like, as far as picking his brain, which I didn't want to get any beats from him for this album. I wanted to produce it myself and who, who, better to go to than someone that you look up to production wise and just kind of pick their brain. So my album, I produced it just kind of from like the, the little tips and tricks I learned from uh, producers that I admired oh, yeah. and just adapted it, you know? Oh yeah. You know, it's like, also you got you to key, he got you the keyboard too, right? Yeah. He got me the keyboard. He got me like, like he gets me like just fat discounts on shit, man. He got me this dope fucking, um, um, preamp from my microphone. Like, it's like a three thousand dollar preamp he got me for like fifteen hundred, you know? Damn. Nice. Yeah, because he's sponsored by them. That makes so sense. shout out to Sutter Kane if he hears this. Um, good friend. I'll say and, it to um, him. I'll try yeah, to man. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll he'll do it definitely. So all right. So I noticed until Death Do His Part though, you ended with the optimistic note, you know. But on Rebirth, what what on you know Rebirth, right? We're born. Oh, yeah. Reborn. Why the fuck did I write Rebirth? Uh, Reborn, Same right? shit. Yeah. Okay, Dark Knight of Soul is with a less than hopeful ending. Yeah, man. Well, well, I dropped um, Till Death Do Us Part January of 2020 before 
the world turned into what it was. And it's like, I was, I was, you know, feeling like, Oh man, I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf. Everything's going to be good. I'm strong. Like life. And then boom, 2020 happens. And I'm yes. like, all right, it's time to put the fucking, the, the gear back on and go back out to war, man. It's, it's fucking war time. You know, <laughs> so, you know, but here's the thing about all your albums though. And I do get kind of curious about this. Cause I mentioned it's the last one. I'll probably get the same, same or similar answer. But I'm like, every one of these have this really cinematic feel. Like, these aren't really albums. They're like movies, you know? Like, yeah. the last time I saw some late is Notorious Big and everything, right? Mm-hmm. You know? So, I've always wondered, it's like, was there, do you think there would be a chance or do you have any interest in to developing, like, these albums into whole-ass movies? Like, I can see you and Dwarf Scorsese doing something. Man, I would just love to make a movie in general. I mean, it, it doesn't, it could be based on whatever, but I would just want to make a movie, period. Um, I, man, my music is like nowadays, like it's very heavily like David Lynch influenced. Very. Time. You mentioned that, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, this album, I tried to make it like a movie where it, it, the beginning, how you get from the beginning to the end is a journey that takes you there the whole way. And also and these dialogue samples too. Yeah, absolutely. Then that, that's like the bridge to get from one song to the other. It's like telling you this is why we're here now. And the dialogue is kind of like taking you to that state of mind. Because I hope to God, I I know not everyone's like this because this isn't the type of generation, but I still come from an era where where I listen to albums beginning to end. And I really wanted people to listen to this album beginning to end the way it's intended. Because you'll appreciate it much more and understand it more if you do. Hmm. I understand that's not how the world works, but that's the way I enjoy music. You know what? Since you have the kind of David Lynch feel to your music, would you be, would you be up to or open to licensing your music to one of his projects? I mean, if he would ever want to use anything, but like, I would I would be open to licensing my my shit to to any project I would believe in. You That's know, fair. like if it's someone that I respected, absolutely. Um, I am quite protective with my music. Like, I'm very I'm hands on with everything, and I, I I own it, and you know, but. David Lynch, I don't think he would. I don't think he would fuck with me. But if he ever did, goddamn, I would be in a heartbeat. You'd be surprised. Here's the reason why. You know, Peter Steele was not a wrestling fan, right? Obviously. Yeah. But you ever heard the um, Kane? Yeah, right. That's exactly what's going with that. Because he loved uh, he loved the Kane gimmick, right? So he wanted to create a music, like an instrumental piece of music for him. Yeah, that's you know? true. Wish- I mean, if it's for the sake of art, artists will uh, artists just like art, man. And um, David Lynch is an artist; he believes in art. Um, he's very protective of art, the way he talks about it. And he, I know he did some shit with Danger Mouse, and this was after I would all I was damn near done with the album. He did a song called "Dark Night of the Soul" with Danger Mouse, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Fucking <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's singing on it. You fucking kidding me? Has there ever been a sample that you've had trouble flipping? Yeah, hell yeah, man. Let me think about it. There's there's been a couple, man, um, that they're like impossible to where I just gave up. Um, I was trying to flip like, fuck, man, I I can't even remember the name. Let me just say, um, yeah, there's been many, man. So where not all samples are created equal. No, some 
Some you just can't loop right, and some won't fit to the speeds that you want. No. So we're, you just give up on it. Do you know uh, that that Jody Arias song? It took me like three or four different songs to sample until I just settled on Cherish the Day. Um, hmm. I was trying to flip. Uh, um, I know MF Doom did it, but um, a Kiss of Life, and it just wasn't sounding right. Uh, he did yeah. it. He did it the right way, but I didn't want to do it like him. I just wanted to do it a different way, and it just wasn't working. Understood. And then. Cherish the day, just kind of like, I was like, you know, that, that that's going to be an easy reach. Like, obviously, like, if I'm going to sample Shaw Day, I should pick something a little more obscure. But I'm like, you know what? I make the rules. Fuck it. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. if it fits, it fits, actually, right? Like, okay, the times when I do try to sample stuff, like, okay, I tried to sample the song Deep Shadows by Little Ann. Mm-hmm. You ever heard that one? I, I think I know that one. Yeah, it's like, um, that's, just in case I'll send it to you, right? You probably heard it, you know? Another one, too, I really try, I can't figure out how to flip it, though. But it's like, you ever, like, you hear something in your head, but you can't figure out how to pull it off? No More Mr. Nice Guy by Alice Cooper. Yeah, see, those songs are really hard to sample. Like They the, really are. The tempo of it, it's just, it sounds good in theory, but then when you try it, that's why, like, and, like, like a cat like Sutter Kane, for example, he'll take like a, a metal song and, and flip it his way. Yes. He'll make shit work that's not supposed to work. Yes. You know, like um, I, I like what I tried to do with the um, Alice Cooper thing, I tried to like try to speed it up Kanye style, you know, the, I used to be just a... like the one right there, right, you know. Um, I can't remember like a, I was gonna try to, I, I can't figure out a perfect loop on there either. I just can't figure it out. So yeah. I'm like, you know, Definitely grab like the hook and everything, right? But or even then, I can never figure out how to like grab like even like a part of the vocal to lower it. Though I can never figure out how to do. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, you gotta. What I what I've learned, like I have a very just old school technique with it. You find the tempo of the original sample, and then you got to count the bars in your head of the, just the vocal part of it. Like you know, just kind of count it, and it's like, all right, there we go. This is the amount of space I need. And then you can play with it a little bit and pit, fuck with the pitch. I don't know if you got an MPC. I don't. What do you use to sample? Um, it's total software guy. You know, like okay, um, yeah. Well, MPC has a software too. Like that's that. It's basically like they recreated just the MPC drum machine yeah. in, into a computer. But um, I, that, I'm just using that example because that's what I I use. But um, there's ways to manipulate samples, but it's not fucking easy. No. It takes. It's it takes time. Itself. It's a complete yeah. art in itself where it's like, that's why I never was crazy. When somebody says, oh, that is taking people's music. Even if they are what they do with it, it is an art in itself. You well, know? you're like, it's like making a, a collage out of a, a lot of dope pieces of art. That you like, really yeah, someone is. originally made it. And I sometimes I feel guilty sampling, like I'm robbing a bank right now, like you know, just stealing shit. And I'm like, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm making something I, I want to hear personally. True. If people are gonna shit on it, well, that's their problem. I don't give a fuck. I yeah. didn't make this shit for them anyways. You were trying to sample um, Dead Boys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I are, did. I did sample them. What happened with that track? I'm trying to. Uh, I can feel it's on. Sample. It's on. It's the intro to Till Death Do Us Part. The, there's two versions of Till Death Do Us Part, the blue version and then the regular version. It's the intro to the regular version. Oh, okay. Change Your Life Now. I sampled Dead Boys on that. Oh, I actually okay. sampled their original band called, um, uh, not Rocket from the Crypt, um, the fucking, what? Yeah, yeah, the yeah Dead I Boys. know exactly which one you're talking about. 
Yeah, yeah. They were called like not Rocket from the Crypt because that's a punk that, band. That's that another band. That's something yeah. I know exactly. It's something from the Crypt, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I sampled that version of uh, "Ain't It Fun." Shoot. And uh, I throw some drums behind it, and this shit came out fucking sick, man. Like, yeah. ch- ch- check it out. It's on uh, "Till Death Do Us Part." Yo, is that like on Apple Music or, Sp- or Spotify? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. okay, so I did hear it. I just didn't recognize it. Yeah. Because that's it. Because I'm like, because. Um, you know, because I'm like, okay, so, because yeah, because remember my favorite album by Dead Boys Young Lad Snotty, actually, right? Hell yeah. You know, okay, here's a weird theory. You know, the descendant to Sound of Reducer is. No. Let it go off of the fucking, um, that fucking remember that Disney movie. Oh, it's Frozen. Frozen. Let it go as a spiritual successor. Really. Theoretically, think about it. The whole idea of Son of Reducer was basically like, fuck you, I don't need your niggas anyway. Oops, I don't need y'all anyway, I got my own, right? Uh, uh yeah. I love being the outsider. Yeah. Let it go, yeah. Cole never bothered me anyway. Same idea. Yeah. Crazy yeah, ass absolutely. idea. I mean, weird, <laughs> weird things like, you know, like, for example, I posted up on Twitter, I said, like, Boomhauer is basically Johnny Bro if you, if you got a piece every once in a while. <laughs> if you think about it. Boomhauer is like, yeah, like Johnny Bravo if he was on meth. <laughs> Pretty much, like, you know, think about it. Boomhauer basically, blue jeans, black shirt, blonde hair, right? But yeah. he actually got some. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> that's been the, the other weird theory about, like, the Steve Harvey show and South Park being the same universe. Yeah, what's up with that? Okay, the theory is this. Okay, in South Park, there was three snacks, right? Cheesy Poops and Nagging Cakes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Bullethead had a love for both of those. So theoretically, they exist in the same universe. Theoretically, yeah. Yeah, and those one was like, "What the fuck?" So I wrote, "Nobody, absolutely fucking nobody." Me. There's cheesy poofs in the Steve Harvey show. Yes, there is. Oh shit! <laughs> so there four. There you go. I think I love cheesy poofs. I love cheesy poofs. <laughs> That's dope, man. I haven't seen the Steve Harvey show in like 20 years, man. I, I yeah. where's that even on anymore? Probably found YouTube or somewhere like that, you know. That show was dope, though. I like that it show. It really was. Like, remember yeah. when you tried to do the priest peace treaty between like the West East and the West Coast one time? Yeah, I remember that episode. Wasn't it like Snoop Dogg and Puffy on the yes, episode? Yes, that was. The and one. they're like, "Yo, that's all just media shit." Yo, yeah, yo, I remember yo. that. Yeah, I remember that shit because that was right after Biggie and Tupac. Yeah, died. so I don't know. It's like there was a time. I that was a big deal. It really was, you know. In the hood, at least, yeah, it was. You know, shit. Like, I'll give credit to like Steve Harvey being funny for. When it was funny, now I just kind of turned into like, shit, all I know is this. I just hope Steve Harvey doesn't have any allegations because yeah, he's starting right. to look kind of Cosby-ish. Like, chill out, dude. Kinda. I always like that chick, the, 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 the female lead from the Steve Harvey show. Yeah, yeah, I kind of yeah, had yeah, a crush yeah. on her with the short hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was hot, man. She... Yep. All right. <sighs> well, Dale, got to wrap it up right now. I'm just glad to hear you're doing better, actually. So this album's, this album's pretty much catharsis, right? absolutely man like it you know hey life's not perfect but um at least i got a big chunk of that darkness out of my soul you know all right cool so just want to make sure you're good because i can definitely tell a lot of people are concerned about you too <laughs> they should be all right i'm more concerned about them honestly all right just as long as you're cool and everything so make sure you're good so dark night of soul check it out on apple music and spotify and whatnot yep great killed by love.com as well you can get the cd and the vinyl of it awesome all right. Well, Dale, great chatting with you. You know, let us be with you again soon. Thanks for the interview again. Talk to you later. Peace. 
Man, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on and checking out the album, man. Um, no I wanted to go to I wanted to go to you with it because I know um you would dissect it the right way, you know. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So shit. Until next time, man. I'll next time I have some crazy ass shit, we can uh, go through that again. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Peace. All right, man. Take All care. Right. Take care. You too. Hey, that was Daniel Jordan. Check out his new album, Dark Night of the Soul, and. His previous releases too. You will not be disappointed. You can find those on Apple Music and Spotify. Until next time, take it easy.